what happens on the other side with valuations would be anybody's guess because that would create the hyperinflationary situation that is most feared and we could just kiss the dollar goodbye. Thanks for joining us for part two of our interview with former Federal Reserve Advisor Danielle DiMartino Booth. If you haven't yet watched part one of our discussion with Danielle, in which she breaks down the recent massive spike higher in the core inflation rate data, head over to our channel at youtube.com slash Wealthion and watch it there first. It sets the context for the investment perspective that Danielle and our partners at New Harbor Financial share in this video. Oh, and if you haven't yet already done so, please don't forget to subscribe to this channel by clicking the red subscribe button below, as well as the little bell icon right next to it. All right, and now here's part two of our interview with Danielle DiMartino Booth. Um, so Wealthion just had its online conference this past weekend. We had a lot of great, great speakers there. And uh, while you know there were, I think, different approaches, differing views uh, on the exact pathways and timing, most of the speakers there sort of thought that there was a high likelihood of a major correction in the financial markets in the near future. Some saying, hey, it could happen any month now. Some saying uh, maybe over the next two years or so. Um, to then, though, be followed in their eyes by just a massive boom in additional stimulus, um, where the authorities uh, would say, look, if you thought we've been you know, crazy so far, you ain't seen nothing yet. Um, do you, I'm curious, do, do, do you share a similar vision of the future or do you, do you think uh, something else might happen? Uh, I, I do think that, that this would open up the opportunity that Lacey Hunt has warned us about for so long uh, for the Fed's liabilities to be turned into legal tender. Uh, the, the Fed, if, if, you, if you're talking about big guns, look, there's absolutely no denying it. I, I, I ran through the analysis in, in, in this latest quill that I wrote. We've never had a time in US history, post-war history, I looked back, when valuations are as high as they are today, the 10-year the cape is pushing 38, the peak was 44 <laughs> in, in the year 2000. We've never had a time looking forward when valuations are where they are at the same time that inflation was as contained as it is. So well, it has been, but yes. <laughs> well, as and this is the thing, it's not it's inflation is not inflation's irrelevant as we see it. Inflation is only relevant to the financial markets in the in through the lens through which the Fed sees it. And that's what we we hate it and it's awful, but we have to bear that in mind. So we've never had this kind of a backdrop where there's the prospect for rising interest rates, which is what could possibly happen and valuations being as high as they are. So we have no idea what the other side of this looks like, but we do know that with Janet Yellen in office, at least as, as, as long as Biden is in the White House, that she would in a heartbeat adopt the Fed directly sending money to individuals not having to buy treasuries in the secondary market, reopening the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 and making it legal for the Fed to go straight to auction effectively printing, truly, excuse me, printing money. The Fed does not print money technically today, but I can see somebody like Janet Yellen making it be the case. And 
what happens on the other side with valuations would be anybody's guess because that would create the hyperinflationary situation that is most feared and we could just kiss the dollar goodbye. Yeah, and uh, I'm sorry to ask you this. We're going to do it anyways. I, how, how worried are you about that? So let, let's just assume, not not saying you're embracing that this is going to happen, but let's say that we do get a big market correction in the next year or so. Let's say Jeremy Grantham's right and 50 plus percent correction. Uh, do you fear that the response from the policymakers at that time could be that extreme and really begin to kick off a, a, a hyperinflationary end? to fiat currency? Well, the fact of the matter is they don't have many tools left. They, they, they just don't. Uh, more is more is not necessarily going to work. You're gonna have to come up with a new, new mousetrap and the new mousetrap would be altering the monetary transmission mechanism. And that would be the next step. This would potentially uh, avoid negative interest rate policy, but again, we, 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 we tend to think that Jay Powell's is a permanent fixture. He's not. And he's a Republican. Right. And, and he wasn't even appointed by this president. Correct. And Lael Brainerd is gunning for his job. Now, can you imagine if Lael Brainerd's position opens up, Ken Rogoff steps onto the board. So you have Ken Rogoff, who wants to eradicate cash, Lael Brainerd, who is the queen of yield curve control and would advocate for, for central bank di digital currency, and Janet Yellen at the, at, at the Treasury. I mean, you could do untold damage with that trio. So, all right, I'm going to put words in your mouth again here, Danielle. Um, it sounds like what you're saying is, is uh, the probability of extreme policy reaction like that uh, is high enough that it can't be dismissed. And so at least we need to have a plan for it in case things should happen uh, along, along that, that trajectory. So uh, in wrapping things up here, Danielle, let's, let's conclude with the question I think that's at the top of every viewer's mind here, which is, okay, with that landscape of risks lying ahead, um, what the hell do we do about it? And um, you know, you, you've underscored several times here, something that we've said on many of these interviews in the past, where it's, it's just such a, a challenging, confusing, treacherous time for investors right now, because there are so many cross currents and even if the end game, end game is potentially predictable, the pathway along the, you know, how we're gonna get there is not. Um, you mentioned, Danielle, that we're seeing basically like years worth of, of developments in previous eras compressed in the months now. Um, so, uh, you know, we've got these super high valuations today. So, um, you know, and if you're worried about kind of runaway inflation, well, then you'd just go long everything that, that's tangible or couldn't be inflated away or whose price you think would, would keep pace with inflation. But if there's a deflationary crunch in the middle there, um, or you know, if there's a market correction, and if Lacey Hunt turns out to be right, actually, and we have deflation for longer than most folks currently imagine, you can get killed along the way in, until your original thesis is proven right. So it's sort of a combination of, do I hold dry powder right now? But if I do, it's getting eroded by the current inflation? Um, or do I just go long and, and risk the fact that I might get uh, you know, cut in half or worse uh, if there's a big correction? How are you looking at this? And are there any asset classes that you think uh, are favorable to own either today or after a correction if one indeed does happen? So I, I think that you have to step back. Uh, I mean, right now, I'm, I, I can't advocate buying municipal bonds, even knowing that if if the Democrats only have one bill that they can pass in fiscal year 2022, which begins October the 1st, 
I mean, taxes are going to be a situation. So uh, every time one of my municipal bonds, and I only own them individually, by the way, but every time one of my municipal bonds get call, gets called, you know, I have, I have a cry party. I just, no, no, <laughs> because they, they've appreciated to such a, a huge extent. But if you step back and you say to yourself, okay, the dollar is eventually going to be the casualty here. You have to ask yourself, who's gonna win? Who's gonna benefit? from this happening. And you that the answer to that is countries and companies that are going to align their future interests with the future largest economy in the world and the future strongest currency. Because there's always a seesaw effect. And I'm not saying you should go out and put all of your dollars into yuan tomorrow. But I think there's something to be said for looking at which country will benefit. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this brain teaser. Taiwan is a very contentious situation right now. But if you were the Taiwanese government, knowing that you are in play between the world's two greatest superpowers, one possibly in dissent, one possibly in ascent, and you look over the horizon and you say, who do I wanna be aligned with in five or 10 years, despite how uncomfortable it might be to go the path of Hong Kong? But do I wanna be with the economic winner or do I wanna be with the economic loser? And I hope, that, I hope that cooler heads prevail and that none of these predictions come to pass because I want for America to be great and I want for our economy to be strong. But if you're going to look at this objectively, you're gonna to have to sit back and say, if Janet Yellen does have the potential to destroy the dollar and carry through with you know, an, uh, a, an SOS situation, then who will benefit? And you've got to look at it very, very dryly objectively. All right, all right. So um, look to China. Real quickly, just sort of rapid fire round, um, your thoughts on um, alternative stores of value. Um, so let's say precious metals, cryptocurrencies, anything else, uh, and uh, just hard assets. Um, fans of them, concerns. If you're worried about uh, the dollar collapse, those tend to be some of the most common things that people think about putting their money into to protect against that. Well, the work that we've done at Quill shows that Bitcoin's tightest correlation is that with negative yielding sovereign debt. Uh, so if you're concerned about interest rates rising and you're concerned that Bitcoin might or might not be sound, then you should really put wherever you, your beliefs are for the future of interest rates into that extremely volatile, I can't even call it an asset class with a straight face, can't. Love precious metals, love, love, love them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some wisdom from Christopher Cole of Artemis Capital, who's looked back at a hundred years of cycles and, and share his wisdom. Real estate is pro-cyclical when long cycles end. We have to bear that in mind. As hard of an asset as we like to think that it is, real estate is a pro-cyclical asset class. It's something we should bear in mind. And it's not that real estate won't be a good store of value. It's just that the valuations right now are very problematic. And that's why it correlates so highly with riskier assets when the peanut butter hits the fan. Great, all right. And that's actually consistent with our conference. We had a real estate expert on there. And you know, he basically said, look, uh, real estate investment looks great as an outlook in terms of generating 
uh, income that will you know keep up with inflation. Uh, but you got to be willing to maybe you know not think about it as a, a price appreciating asset the way that people have over the past couple of decades. All right, with that, Danielle, I want to thank you so much for coming on the program. I, I got to say, folks, you know when you have somebody who's a nine year veteran of the Federal Reserve herself, worried about the future of the U.S. dollar um, potentially being destroyed largely um, by the current players that are on the map. You got to you got to sit up and take notice. So, Danielle, thank you so much. Really look forward to having you back on the program again. And um, thanks again for coming on and sharing all your great wisdom and expertise with us. It's such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And everybody, please come to quillintelligence.com. I, I write about this stuff every day. Sorry, that was my last question. I did forget to answer. I'm going to just ask it to let you give a longer answer if you like. Danielle, for folks that want to learn more about you, follow your work, who've really enjoyed getting to know you in this presentation, is there anywhere else besides quillintelligence.com they should go? I know you're active on Twitter, for example. I'm very active on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to do a shameless plug for Quill Intelligence. We've just had our three-year anniversary. Code QI21 uh, is a 25% discount on subscriptions right now. As far as at Demartino Booth goes, I have been told that it is it is a free MBA. It is a free degree <laughs> in economics. I share so much and I share freely because I think financial literacy can help prevent some of the gloom and doom that I see over the horizon if we educate ourselves financially. I would agree. And that is the founding mission behind Wealthion as well. So could not be more supportive of your efforts there, Danielle. Quill Intelligence is a wonderful publication, folks. Danielle, in the editing of this, I will put up the URLs uh, to those channels on the screen so that folks clearly know where to go. Um, all right. And wrapping up, Danielle, again, just such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time, Adam. All right, John, what another great interview there with Danielle. Um, folks, this is the part of the program where I talk with the lead partners at New Harbor Financial, the financial advisory firm officially endorsed by Wealthion. One of those partners, Mark, uh, Mike Preston, is off taking a very well-deserved vacation, but no matter because John Lodra is here and he's going to do the work of two men. Well, that's uh, it's a heavy, heavy lift to, to ask of me there, Adam, but I'll do my best. Um, yeah, well, I mean... Uh, great job uh, getting Danielle back on. She's always uh, chock full of perspective and and uh, just uh, really keen observations. Uh, love 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 her work. Um, yeah, I mean, a um, couple couple big things that that stood out to me there. Um, you know, obviously we can still debate, and it's a very valid debate to still have whether you know true inflation is going to pervasively take hold versus you know possibly a, a, a transitory. Uh, episode with with possibly deflationary um, um, elements to it. Um, I think Danielle does a really nice job cutting through the. There's nuance to this conversation, and and like she, for example, pointed out, um, there are certain parts that are probably not going to be tra uh, transitory, like the housing and the rent cost. I mean, these are the things that are a real everyday uh, biggest uh, line item expenses for many households, and and. Uh, you just look at supply demand dynamics and, and the realities there that you know, those are very concerning trends that we're seeing and, and it's really gonna likely hit people where, where it hurts, unfortunately. And I'm, I'm glad she called out the, the, the folly of, of you know, our treasury secretary, for example, you know, making the bold statement, careless statement, I think that you know, higher interest rates is actually a good thing for our country and economy. That's, that's BS, I'm sorry, but I'm glad that, that uh, Danielle spoke it as such. Um, but, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, real assets, uh, like, like Daniel talked about in, insofar as a, a delinking from us dollar, um, there's a lot of big picture trends here that 
have the US dollar likely up against the ropes, um, both our actions monetarily speaking and fiscally speaking, but also the, the big picture geopolitical and geoeconomic uh, tug of wars. You know, she, she used the brain teaser, I think, of, of Taiwan and, and kind of the, you know, perhaps a football between China and, and uh, the US. And, um, you know, there's very good reasons to believe that China's ascent in economic power is likely to continue and, and ours is likely to to be further challenged. So, so, you know, yeah, um, tangible assets, um, you know, uh, likely will continue to be a, a very important part um, if for no other reason to um, de-link from the US dollar, but also the inflationary hedge that they can provide. Uh, and sorry to keep running on here, but I'm, I'm very glad that she, she pointed to real estate as yes, a very tangible asset, but there is, you know, historically a, a big cyclicality to real estate. Uh, that you can't, you cannot ignore, and, and that in no small part, I think, is because of the huge role that leverage, lending, and borrowing has played in real estate cycles. And if there ever was a a debt binge, uh, we're still in it, and we're at the supernova, probably um, end to it in a lot of ways. So, so real estate can be a very tricky area uh, right now, um, as compared to say some other tangible assets like commodities and precious metals. Um, so I'll just pause there, Adam. Sorry to kind of ramble on uh, so much there. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's, those are all important facts. And I think people watching this video, you know, they're racking their brains saying, all right, look, um, uh, either I'm, I'm suspicious of today's super high level evaluations, and that makes me want to be, you know, parked in the safety of cash. But man, if inflation is going to continue to rage from here, uh, the purchasing power of my cash is going to get eroded even faster. That feels really bad um, for a lot of people. A big chunk of their net worth is in their homes. You just, you know, built on Danielle's comments. That's probably going to make them a little bit worried about their home valuations going forward. Um, and then Danielle's comments about, um, you know, whether it's rental costs or, or, or whatever. But there's there's real uh, cost push inflation that's going on here, and without real wage inflation, which Danielle said, you know, might happen. And it's something that Powell, you know, she says is quite worried about, um, you know, if it doesn't really ride to the rescue for the average person here, you know, it just feels like you're getting increasingly squeezed between incomes and a rise, you know, stagnant or not growing very fast incomes and fast rising uh, input costs. Um, and then, uh, you know, and most people watching this video, I would say are 40 years old or over, and I'm speaking on average here, but there are people that are beginning to look to, you know, the, the point in their life where they're not going to be big income earners, and they're going to have to, you know, subsist off of what they've saved up at that point. And I think they're, they're feeling that squeeze and they're wondering, gosh, you know, is the math going to really work out for me here in the long run? So there's a lot of concerns out there. And of course, um, you were talking sort of in trends here. Um, if in the short term, <laughs> there's a deflationary event um, where, you know, stock market corrects by an awful lot. And, you know, we've talked a lot in past videos about folks like Jeremy Grantham predicting a 50 plus percent correction. You know, these people are not only feeling the squeeze and wondering if what they've got is going to last for as long as they need it to, but if it gets wiped out by 50% in one of these downdrafts, that's another big concern on their head. So people are really wrestling with a lot of really understandable angst right now here. So um, I know that that's the world that you and Mike and the folks at New Harbor live in on a day-to-day -day basis, John. Um, I, I wanna talk to you for, in a moment about 
kind of the hard assets and because and, I know they're part of your portfolio allocation. But can you just talk for a second about that angst? Um, what are you seeing when people are, are calling with you right now? And, and, and what, what, what helpful advice are you you're trying to give them during this really tough time? Yeah, absolutely, Adam. If there's if there's one spoken or unspoken fear or concern that we come across with our clients and prospective clients, it's exactly that. Will I have enough? Um, uh, I don't want to work for the rest of my life. I probably can't work for the rest of my life either because of health or um, just being phased out of my work, you know, due to whatever. Um, you know, so that is a, a common thread and it's a very valid one, right? Because, um, you know, if, if there's nothing else that we and many of our peers in, in the kind of line of work we do uh, want to achieve, we want to we help our clients um, achieve a peace of mind. You know, financial security is most powerful when it's embodied in just peace of mind. And it's not about looking at digits on a statement. It's about, you know, being able to go, go to bed every night without uh, unduly worrying and waking up uh, without the stresses of, you know, it, it's a real uh, psychological being rather than a, a, a number on a statement. So, so that is by far probably the, the most uh, tangible concern we, we hear from our clients. And I, I will say that it's not just that age demographic. Um, you know, I had a conversation, just a little anecdote with a recent college graduate, actually one that actually went to my alma mater, um, and uh, this person was fortunate to, to get a job um, upon graduation. And, you know, I know this person very well. So we, we talked candidly about, you know, salaries and things like that. And we did the math. Um, when I graduated, my starting salary, and I was no rock star. Let me believe, you know, there's nothing special about me being able to command a high salary. But in inflation adjusted terms, the, this individual's uh, young person's starting salary is about a third lower than where mine was. And this, this person, I can tell you in all humility, has a much, much more attractive uh, resume than I had. And um, yet um, uh, starting salary about a third lower. And I guarantee you the cost of living, housing and otherwise, that this young person is facing is, is far higher than it was when I. So, so you have even young people um, that have their whole life ahead of them, you know, figuratively speaking, and literally, I guess. Um, you know, already feeling the pinch because um, incomes and, and salaries have not kept pace with the, the real cost of living. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you shared that. And uh, I mean, I really feel for younger generations because I think they really understandably feel like they're, they're getting started already, you know, several steps back from where everybody else got their start. And you mentioned the person you were talking to went to your alma mater. You didn't mention what your alma mater was, which was Cornell University. So you're talking about a recent Ivy League graduate, right? And, and you're saying that person uh, is, at, at that very young age, is concerned about making enough to be able to finish the game you know, financially. Um, and of course, if they feel that way, you wonder what a lot of the kids their age, you know, are feeling who didn't get to go to an Ivy League school. Um, yeah, so anyways, folks, that's, that's why we do these videos here, um, is we're trying to help people make sense of this very confusing time, but also try to give you insights, frameworks, actionable steps so that you can, you know, try to increase the odds of the math in your favor here. Um, all right, John, so real quickly, um, before we get to the allocation, I just want to reiterate something that, that was mentioned at the Wealthion conference this past weekend, which you and Mike uh, were very gracious uh, enough to be my co-hosts for, and it was an amazing time. But, but one of the things that we heard a lot from 
many of the different speakers is that you know you mentioned peace of mind earlier um the past you know two decades or so have given a lot of peace of mind to the passive investor right it's basically been very easy for people just to sort of buy the indices uh, and just set it and forget it. And, and most asset classes went up and uh, went up handsomely over this time. Um, so, you know, there was a lot of peace of mind for the investor. You really could just do your regular saving plan and, and have confidence that your portfolio was going to rise. You know, we're now entering an era, and Danielle did a really good job of sort of explaining a lot of the risk factors out there, where it's going to be a lot less predictable, a lot more volatile, and the stakes have gotten a lot higher. Um, and so you, you don't have the luxury to get peace of mind, you don't have the luxury of being a, a passive investor anymore. You, you need to actually be an active investor or recruit a professional active investor to work on your behalf here. I think peace of mind is really gonna come from having a plan and a good team to execute it. I think the days of set it and forget it, passive investing is over. Uh, do you agree with that? I think the factors that uh, are very much, um, the, the factors that are tailwinds for passive investing are running dangerously out of steam. When you think of passive investing, it's it's um, riding a, a long secular wave of a trend. Um, those kinds of trends happen when you start, for example, with uh, low or undervalued market valuations. Um, we're not there now. We are literally the highest valuation of all time. Um, you have you 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 start uh, with big trends of you know high interest rates going to lower interest rates. We're not there. Interest rates have, have gone um, pretty much down for the last uh, 40 years. They're not going much lower. Uh, they can't. They're, we're almost you know, at the lower bound right now. So you got these big trends that, you know, in the rearview mirror of the last 40 years even, that have been the very things that have been the reason passive investing has been such a, a talked about and embraced thing. Those things are coming to an end, or at least... Uh, running into some, some severe brick walls. So, so absolutely, I think the time is important to start thinking about uh, uh, a much harder style of investing and that is active, um, intentional, um, hands-on investing because, because it's likely gonna be needed to, to uh, block and dunk, uh, duck a, a lot of punches that, that will likely be thrown. Um, you know, and, and here's, here's the thing, um, you know, when cycles turn and they always do, people tend to underestimate what those drawdowns, downturns in the markets can do. And simple math can, can bear this out. And, and, and it's, it's, it's the concept of compound returns working in both directions. So the compound returns that do so great on the upside and passive investing is able to, to um, take advantage of, they work just as powerfully and, and dangerously in reverse. So, so if you do a simple math, let's take, let's say you started with a hundred, hundred dollars and uh, you, you um, got a 50% growth in your money. So you're at 150, right? And then let's say you drop 50% from there. Um, half of 150 is 75. So you're left with $75. So you've gone from 100 to 150 to, to 75. So a 50% up followed by a 50% 50, 50 decline doesn't bring you back to zero. It brings you back to negative 25% in that example. And that math is even that much more powerfully uh, destructive if we, for example, get a 60% decline or even a 70% decline, which is actually quite um, a, a reasonable, if not likely scenario based upon historical um, trends and metrics. Um, 
So the rearview mirror that passive investing oftentimes, you know, uh, allows one to to celebrate. That can be the the very blinder that that causes one to to get absolutely decapitated uh, with the same passive strategy in in a downturn. Uh, very concerned about that for folks who are complacent about that. All right. Well, really well articulated, John. Thanks. And folks, yeah, I, I just want to continue to reiterate here. Um, you know, coming up with an, 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 a good action plan and having a team to actively manage it, I think really is going to be one of the key success strategies of the future. Um, John, in wrapping up here, um, uh, Danielle and I briefly talked about the uh, new inflation numbers that were reported today, which were much higher than expectations. Um, any, any changes you guys are making to your current portfolio based upon that? You're in cash, you're in precious metals, precious metals mining companies, uh, some energy companies, uh, some emerging markets. Uh, let, let me know, Did, are, are you changing your plan at all tactically yeah. based upon today's no, no, headline numbers like these are notoriously noisy. Obviously they, they start to present trends as you start to uh, you know, observe them over time, but nothing in, in and of today's headline number would, would prompt us to, to make a uh, material change to our allocations. The bottom line is we are positioned in a way that uh, we think would, would suit very well, even if an inflationary environment were to take hold because traditional stocks and bonds generally being as overvalued as they are today would get likely hammered pretty hard in an inflationary environment that, that's sustained. And we don't have much exposure to, to stocks and bonds, broadly speaking. And those stocks that we do have exposure to right now tend to be the ones that do well in an inflationary environment, things like commodity stocks, oil, energy, precious metals, emerging market stocks of you know, countries that have resource-rich economies. So we're quite comfortable um, with how we have been of late positioned, e even with the, today's headline number. Great, all right, folks. Well, look, if you're watching this and not yet aware of this, um, the John and Mike and folks there at, over at New Harbor, um, they are happy to talk to any of you that want to reach out and basically get a, a free portfolio consultation from them. They'll sit down. Uh, there's no commitment to work with them. There's no strings attached. There's no cost to you. Um, they do this because they want to make sure that as many people as possible are positioning themselves prudently for a lot of the things that we just talked about that, that have a high probability of happening in the future here. They really just wanna help people preserve wealth. Um, so if you haven't actually reached out to them yet, uh, just stick around at the end of the video. It's coming up in just a couple of seconds. We'll tell you how to do that. Again, it doesn't cost you a thing and it only takes a couple of seconds to set up. Um, all right, um, if you are enjoying interviews with experts like Danielle DiMartino Booth, and you would like to see more on this channel, help us do that by subscribing to this channel. If you haven't done so yet, just click the red subscribe button there below, as well as the little bell icon right next to it. If you want to have a voice in which experts we bring on in the future, um, or you want to see who's coming on, because I do pre-announce those, I do that on my Twitter account, and I listen to every suggestion that folks send me there. So that's just at Menlo Bear on Twitter. Um, all right, John. Well, we'll see what happens next. Nobody's got a crystal ball, but uh, things are beginning to get really interesting. And whatever happens next, I'll be tracking it here with you and Mike. Uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Likewise, Adam. Thanks again. And we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks for watching, everyone. If you'd like to schedule a consultation with one of the financial advisors at New Harbor Financial, simply go to Wealthion.com. These consultations are completely free and there are no strings attached. 
The good folks at New Harbor will simply answer any questions you have about your investment goals or your portfolio and give you their best advice given their latest market outlook. They're willing to do this because they care about protecting people's wealth and because Wealthion has connected them with so many thoughtful investors just like you over the past decade. We started doing this because so many people have approached us in frustration, looking for a solution because they're feeling out of alignment or downright ridiculed by the standard financial advisors who have been managing their money. You know the type, the kind that just pushes all of your money into the market, scoffs at the idea of owning gold, and when you bring up concerns about the market's sky-high valuations, they say, don't worry, the market will always take care of you. For many of the reasons discussed in today's video, we think this is one of the most challenging and treacherous times in history for investing. We strongly believe that today's investors are best served working in partnership with a conscientious professional financial advisor who understands the risks in play. Now, we're agnostic which professional advisor you work with, as long as they're good. If you're already working with one, that's fantastic. Stick with them. But if you don't, or are having trouble finding one you respect or trust, then consider talking to John and Mike and the team at New Harbor. Now, for those about to ask, yes, there's a business relationship between Wealthion and New Harbor, which we put in place to make sure everything is handled according to SEC regulations. All the details on this are clearly provided on the Wealthion.com website. Also, it's important to note that New Harbor is able to work with U.S. citizens, green card holders, and those with existing assets in the USA. But for regulatory reasons, they aren't able to take on non-U.S. clients. All right, with all that said, if you'd like some insight and guidance on how to protect your wealth during this unprecedented time in the markets, go to Wealthion.com to schedule your free consultation with the good folks at New Harbor. Thanks for watching. Thank you.